Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is A Church for Young People, a conversation about whether our faith is a home for the younger generation, what works, what doesn't, whether we need to take a few new directions or revive some old gems. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by our artist and resident geek, Ryan Galliott, or Box, as we know him. Hello, Box. Hi, Peter. I'm also joined by Ben, who is a multimedia journalist at The Catholic Weekly, content producer in other roles, and generally here, not only because of these great qualifications, but because he's a young Catholic. You you left out extraordinaire from my job title, but that's okay. I'll uh, I'll forgive you this time. It's a recent addition, but it's a good one, so... I want to see the HR person who let that go through. <laughs> <to this. laughs> and we're also joined by Beth, who is the campaign's advisor in development and fundraising in the Archdiocese and apparently a general connoisseur of caffeine. Is that correct? You wouldn't be wrong there, Peter. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we need to talk later on off, ca- off, um, you know where off my mic office about is. caffeine. Yes. I'm afraid I'm, um, <laughs> yes, I've had a, a long history of um, coming into lesser and greater addictions to caffeine. So before we get started, a reminder that if you like the show, you should subscribe on a podcast app and that way you won't miss an episode. Okay, if we're saying a church for younger people, we better be clear about who we're talking about. There is, of course, a discussion to be had, perhaps not today, but about um, children being in the liturgy, um, children in the church itself. But have to be honest and say, maybe Box, you can correct me on this, but most children don't sort of get up and choose to come to church themselves, they tend to be with their families in their earlier life. So that the question is, is whether we're making the church friendlier for young families, really, in that case, isn't it? Yes, and I very strongly agree with that. Um, having been youth leader for a number of parishes before, uh, I know many families were turned away from attending church because of the the gazes and the stares they had from parishioners when their child was maybe a little bit too noisy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, I don't know if we should dwell on this too much, but I have a particular beef about children's liturgies. I think it sends a message to the, to the kids, you're not, you're not part of this. You, you should leave the room while, while adults are doing adulty things sort of thing. Well, I, think, I just wonder about that one. I think part of the problem as well is that um, often there's a disconnect between what they learn at school and how it is in the parishes. I think youth groups or, or youth uh, you know, in, in the church um, need to have that partnership with the schools, um, right? To show that it's something that's what do you mean by a dis- disconnect there? What, what do you think is different? And maybe we should bring our young people into this discussion because um, oh, it's been a long time since I was at school. <laughs> Surely not that long, Pete. <laughs> well, technically, I'm still in school because yeah. I'm finishing off my <laughs> finishing off a degree. But uh, it's been a long time since I've been in primary school. When it comes to children liturgy, I just wonder about. Um, I sort of agree with you, Pete. That. It, it, it's sort of sending the children away a bit. I mean, it, it can have its benefits, obviously, but um, who, who's running children's liturgy is very important. Um, are they conversing with the priest beforehand to decide what they're teaching? Um, and yep. then is it going to be too big a jump when the child reaches that age and, and starts to stay uh, in the Mass to hear the Gospel? Um, that's right. I think, I think that's a good point there, Ben. Yeah, I think it's a big point. The whole big jump thing. If you if you treat them like little children for many years and then suddenly expect them to suddenly leap back in. Mm. Also, there's the fact that it, it, psychologists tell us that your children learn their attitude to driving 
while they're sitting in the back of your car between the ages of about three and eight. Mm. Now they they're not they don't have the skills to drive then, but they're learning their attitude to it and their their whole. That's a very scary thing, by the way, as a parent to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to change my language yeah. uh, and my, my my attitudes in driving, but the um their attitude is learned, and honestly, even if they're not consciously at the level of of you know cognitively taking in all of the homily or all of the the deeper meaning of parts of the mass the fact that they're there the enculturation of it the the very sort of you know being immersed in that culture and that it's theirs it's not just for the adults yeah and it's seeing mum and dad sitting there engaged is just as important i know i've got uh, yes. no children of my own but nieces and nephews who will sit there with a book or maybe they're doing a, a colouring in thing that's on the back of the bulletin. But they're seeing yeah. us sitting there engaged, trying to take it in, and it's having that's an effect. Right. I remember even when you're a kid, you'd want adults to take you seriously. You're like, oh, you know, they're going to think I'm so grown up <laughs> if I do this. And if you have this sort of divorce between you know, what the kids and what the adults are doing all the time, then it's just, you know, they're not actually reaching what they themselves want to do. They want people to think of them as little grown-ups, they love that. Um, yeah, that doesn't know, go away, by the way, Beth. <laughs> oh, I know. I still feel <laughs> like that. I just turned 50 and I still want adults to take me seriously. <laughs> we have faith in the Word of God, that it, it, it speaks and it transcends all times and all places and all ages. Um, then, you know, we, we can't separate, you know, the up-and-coming generation from the Word of God just because we don't think that they're old enough to appreciate it or to receive it, you know. Yeah. Christ is very clear when he says, let the children come to me. And I don't think a sort of yes. division in what's supposed to be a universal celebration of the liturgy and the faith is you know, ever going to be good. I think you've got a point there, Beth, with the, the liturgy being universal, because, I mean, even adults, I mean, when even if we are intellectually capable of, you know, engaging at a high level, sometimes on a Sunday, you, you Sunday morning, I don't know about you guys, but Sunday morning, I struggle into mass. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if the priest wants to bring out Thomas Aquinas, I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, just settle down. Just bring it, bring it to me at the level my 14-year-old can understand because that's roughly where my mind's at right now. At, at the same time, though, you kind of want a bit of Thomas Aquinas or some heavier stuff than you often get um, from some priests. Sometimes you go there and yeah. it's the same thing you've heard for the last 20 years and you sort of... Well, it could be in bed. Yeah, I think we need you know? to talk about what heavy means there, Ben. I mean, it could be that heavy means to challenge us mm. in some sense, mm. that actually pushes us a little bit, but that doesn't have to be at a high intellectual level to challenge you. In the Mass itself, I mean, what's going on there? It's, you know, it's a reliving of the sacrifice on Calvary. The, the very fact of transubstantiation is so beyond what any of us are ever able to you know, rationally comprehend. The Mass is irrational, really. I mean, something just doesn't become something else and still look the same. The Eucharist is a mystery. Like what's already going on there is so uncomprehensible. I don't think that was a word. Incomprehensible. <laughs> Incomprehensible. Thank you. You'd think uh, a right. couple of years studying theology and philosophy would teach me some English as well, but apparently not. Latin is <laughs> flawless, though. Yeah. Latin is flawless. If I was saying this in Attic Greek, then things would be fine. <laughs> Classic Greek. Well, now, uh, now yes. we're talking. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the mass is so profound. Um, and I get that, you know, our approach to it should be with a sort of similar reference. And, right. and you know, our approach should be, you know. Which, which sort of brings it back to kids being there for, for the gospel and not, not leaving part of it. Yeah. I mean, no one actually is... understands the mass. Right. <laughs> we just try our best. So. <laughs> but I mean, I remember as a kid, you, you leave at the beginning 
you come back and, and they're doing the Eucharist, which at the time is just sort of a weird ceremony yeah. you don't fully understand. Um, yeah. Maybe being part of the entire, the entire Mass and yeah. being for a bit could help it. I remember going to an Orthodox parish. Um, I was studying the Orthodoxy as part of my Lutheran seminary at the time, um, and I spoke to the priest about the fact that they had so many icons all over the walls, mm. and I said, isn't this distracting? And he said, he said, I am not so arrogant as to believe that my homily is the only sermon they hear. Mm. When they come into the church, now he's having a slight swipe at me there, but that was good. <laughs> I deserved it. I absolutely deserved it. But he said, um, if a 10-year-old child is here and or a five-year-old child is here and they hear me speaking, they won't hear the homily. But when they see over here, St. Peter preaches them a homily in art. And over here, you know, the 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 preached in the, the, the beautiful music of the Mass. So, in other words, the entire sensation, and the, he made a beautiful comment about incense, but I can't remember what the comment was. Mm. But in all of our senses being assailed, we're actually learning in ways that are not purely cognitive. Perhaps in the West we make things too intellectual, uh, and I'm not saying that we should dumb it down, but in the sense that we limit our learning capacity to just the sort of words Mm. And uh, there's a whole lot more involved in the in the you know the sensations and the experience of being there. And I think you, Ben's point before about no, it wasn't you. It was somebody else said. Brian, uh, I think saying. Don't <laughs> <laughs> well, rule me out. This one was Sorry. about parents and watching your parents react. Um, yeah, that was uh, me. <laughs> there you go. I had some good <laughs> points too. If we want, we can we can re-record and it can be mine. So. <laughs> I mean, you're right though, Peter. Like you walk into St Mary's Cathedral, um, and behind the main altar. If you look at the stained glass windows there, you can see the entirety of human history, essentially, as, yep. as the Bible tells it, from the fall of Adam and Eve right down to the Passion of Christ. And without knowing yep. anything about you know, Catholicism or, or you know, the intellectual tradition or Tom, whatever Thomas Aquinas has to say on this, you can piece together the entirety of salvation history just through those stained glass windows. You know, Not anything to say about the statues and stations mm. and it, it, this is how this the faithful understand their faith like this is yep. basically what people for hundreds of years that didn't know how to read or write it's how they had such a strong yeah. faith and that's beautiful and that's something we shouldn't deprive well, I mean, anyone of speaking of people who can't read and write um uh, teenagers um, <laughs> hey, I was, don't I'm look at me. Yeah, I thought you were going to have a dig <laughs> at one of us, Pete. I was ready for it. Comebacks were ready. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm. T often when you get people who have been educated mostly with with media versions of education, that they've struggled to actually express themselves in writing. Especially, well, box you would you would have had the experience of coming from school, and I had the same experience. It's mm. not a new thing. Going from high school into university is a big jump uh, in terms of being able to express well, yourself. I mean, I've got to confess, there was about a 10-year gap between <laughs> getting to university right. from high school. But, uh, well, you yeah. probably had a lot of life experience there. But my point here mm. is when, when we're talking about youth groups, oh, there's, a, there's a bit of a definition problem because often youth groups, when I was growing up, were between the age of 12 and 18. But mm. now it seems to be much more 18 to 35 kind of range, yeah. isn't it? I think there's a – the view of, of – um, I mean, the whole reason for a youth group is to help people come to the table of the Lord and understand what's happening in the Mass and to participate more fully, but it shouldn't be just left to what is observable. 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 Yeah, I, I haven't heard of <laughs> many people like coming to a youth group for that reason, <laughs> yeah. though, Box. Yeah, and, and so part of it is um, 
what a youth group, uh, what a real, what real strength is in the youth group, is having that time outside of mass. Um, I used to allow uh, at one of the churches I went to every Sunday morning, the families would all be invited. We'd have we'd have breakfast together at a local cafe, and the youth had the opportunity to just inquire about faith, about topics, and things that they're too scared to ask in schools. Um, right. And so, what I meant before about the disconnect is um, paralleling what's happening in the youth group to the topics and things they might be learning in school so that they can ask questions on topic. They can see how things um, fit in outside of just attending mass. You know, um, living our Catholic faith is more than just um, the mass. There's also the living it in day-to-day life. Can I be a bit naughty here and suggest that um, just from my experience of my own children, it wouldn't matter how cool you made something. You Mm. can have, for example, Mm. the coolest movie ever. But if I say, want to come and see it with me, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if, the, you know, you can have the stupidest movie ever and have one of their friends that they mm. enjoy the company of and they want to go. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I think that the at least the initial step of people wanting to be involved in the church in some way is almost always there's a few cool people yeah. I want to get to know or hang out with or I enjoy the company of and I I enjoy friendship and these people seem to be genuine, that kind of thing. Maybe I can throw to Beth and um, Ben on this one and ask it, what your experience is in this area. Well, I, I think um, like you're absolutely right. Like it's not what Beth was saying before about the, the mass being everything it is and so important. Um, when you're outside the church, that means nothing to you. Um, I, I mean, I, It's a curiosity I, sometimes. It, it is a bit, but it's not, um, it's not the sort of overwhelming um, impressive thing. Like you're not getting the feeling that, that a lot of us would get now. I recall 18 months ago coming back to, to church and the first time I walked through the doors and it, it was daunting for all sorts of reasons, but it wasn't the beauty of the nine o'clock on a Wednesday morning mass, um, without a, a homily, you know, like <laughs> it, it wasn't that that got me in. Um, it was something else. So I mean, we can we can tell people all day how how great the mass is and impressive and magical and and all the things that are happening. But if you don't have anything to get them in the door that they can understand, they're just not mm. coming. Yep. On the other hand, you don't want to put a sign above the door that uh, we were joking a couple of episodes ago with Daniel Lang saying it's easy to get people in the door of a church. You just put a sign up that says "Free Beer." And they might. <laughs> Catholics are very good at that too. But, <laughs> but you want to be you want to be honest about what you're selling. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? You don't want to compromise on anything. Of course, but you, um, you do need to have more. So it's not dumbing down. It's not having less. It's having more, right. more than just that, and having more to offer. Yeah. And um, well, look, if this faith means anything, if it means anything, that I mean, Jesus said, "By this will men know that you're my disciples, mm-hmm. that you love one another." That there's actually a bond between the people, and it's not just that you're mates, because anyone can be mates with their mates. Love that Christ is talking about is the kind of love which deals with the awkward person, the, the the people who normally wouldn't get along, the annoying people, the frustrating people, and that we actually still make an effort to include everybody and love them and actually practically help them. It, honestly, these days people are so lonely that I think if there's there's people out there who are prepared to accept them for who they are and try and work with them, it's going to make a massive difference to them. And, and they'll, they'll put up with a lot of other stuff before they, <laughs> if they can feel like they're being welcomed. Father, in, in that Father sense. Matt Ma did a video a while back for the 
um, for the Archdiocese where he said, people aren't becoming less spiritual, they're becoming otherly spiritual. So the desire to be spiritual is still there. Mm. Um, we just have to reach them in a way that, that it makes sense. And there's a lot of conceptions about the church and everything. And even as someone who grew up in it, you, when you're outside the church, you fall for a lot of them. Um, mm. so it's, well, let's talk, talk, talk us through a few of those, Ben, like what sort of preconception I'm assuming you're saying they're false conceptions. Oh, they're, they're absolutely false. But I mean, um, even things, I mean, we saw recently with, um, the marriage campaign and, and the abortion issue, um, there was a lot of, of, of false stories about what the church believes coming from, um, the opponents of the church, um, yep. saying things as just as simple as, uh, the church is bigoted. They, they hate gays. They do this, they do that on that. Yep. And, and yep, none of it's sure. true. And we, we have to show people that, and that it, it's a love. It's not. Yep. A dis- like In it, some respects, we play into the hands of that particular narrative though. If we, if we get, allow the frustration of those debates, if we allow the passion we have for the truth to overflow into, oh, absolutely. In, yeah. in, you know, into a nasty response or even a, just a snappy thing, we can, and, we can play into that, that yeah, narrative. And I think the, the solution is um, changing the premise of those arguments. Um, right. So not saying oh, gays shouldn't get married and, and fighting on that front. But saying this is what marriage is. This is why it's a man and a woman. This is why we believe that. Um, it's not about discriminating against anyone or any group of people. It's that we yep. just believe that this is it and this is beautiful. And if you can relate that message, uh, then you change the whole argument. Same with same with abortion. It's not. It's not that we want to control women's bodies. It's not that we want all this power about who can have a child. We've we've got to change it to life is precious and life is what we want to. To, to save in that case and, and see blossom and, and fight for. And it's not, uh, it's not your right to choose what you do with your body. It's that baby's right to live um, and your responsibility mm. to look after that. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's a long conversation, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I, I perhaps need, I think we need to go back a bit further yeah. than that even with the young people because they've been sold a particular line for so long. If we say this is what marriage is, they're most, more likely to say, no, it isn't. That's absolutely true, and it's it's a it's a cultural thing, just as much as it's a, a faith thing. Like it's far bigger than just us, um, and it's it's something that needs to be changed in a, in a cultural way and in in society. Um, as the Archbishop has said on occasion, uh, it's it's bigger than simple church. It's bigger than this generation. It's a it's an ongoing thing, and, and it it may take a while before we see the fruits of that labor, but we have to change it, the cultural perception of that, not simply just tell them and, and hope it sticks. This is the beauty of the universal church, right? Like we know that it's going to, we know that it's going to stand um, forever until, you know, until God decides otherwise. Um, but, you know, the way, I mean, you look at the way Christ came and instituted Christianity. He didn't come and refute the Jews or refute the Romans. He didn't come and say, oh, the Romans are wrong for X, Y, Z reasons, which is exactly what the church does, or maybe not the church, but Christians do quite often for the most part is, oh, no, you know, oh, it's not about, you know, we don't, we don't hate the gays. We just, uh, we just don't think they should get married because uh, we just don't think they should. No, <laughs> if we look at the way Christ did it, it's like you know, he comes and he institutes his own truth. He presents to them an entire comprehensive worldview 
that they can accept that is so different from what they're used to. And people can choose to accept it or they don't. And it's very much the same with the Christian worldview today. It's radically different from anything else the world has to offer. When people are faced with it, they can either accept it or they don't. And it's the same There's even also when a bringing to people respect to the church. It, even if they don't accept it, though. Oh, um, of course, of course. I think if people see that you you act with integrity, with honesty, and with love, they might not agree with your premises. They might not agree with all the things, but it. There's a kind of a Sherry Waddell's system of becoming a disciple talks about an open curiosity where someone's willing to listen. There's a stage where they have to have sort of dropped the hostility that Ben's talking about there. They've kind of got to have given up on you guys are all haters to hang on, there might be something to this. And there's a kind of a period of or a stage of I, openness. I think that's that's an issue that goes well beyond just the, the church. I mean, you see that in in politics and in in everything. Um, there's this the massive us versus them. Um, if you don't agree with me 100%, then you're just completely wrong. There's no gray area. It's a complete dichotomy of ideas. Um, and so that's, that's again, what I'm talking about with this cultural shift. We need to change perceptions around those types of things to, to create that openness well, um, and then show them all the good things that we I, I find it interesting. I mean, that's um, a lot of the older youth really come these are the topics that come up but with the younger youth that have sort of been serving towards the end of my ministry or involvement in ministry i should say their questions were all about uh self-value and relationships and i think those two are the underpinning themes behind all of those later issues <laughs> sorry ron i'm laughing because as mike knows our producer knows um, our best rating shows are the ones on relationships and self-value. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and I think that's where, especially when speaking about uh, youth ministry to the really young kids, getting that right is so important because it leads into these other topics. And, and one thing yeah. I always tell people, before we talk about anything, remember that the other person is a human person and to yes. just continue to treat them like one, even if you don't agree with them. All right. Now, we, we need to, before we go anywhere with this episode, we, we have to actually ask the young people, what is it that young people want in the church? Now, I, I've been a part of the plenary <laughs> council movement, and I, I've heard lots of people claiming to speak on behalf of the youth. And I've, I've heard lots of uh, older people say we need more um, 70s rock in the mass, that kind of thing. <laughs> so what I'd like to hear from away. you guys <laughs> is what is it? Perhaps we'll start with Beth uh, and say, what is it that you think the young people uh, want from in the church? What do they come? What attracts them to the church, and what's keeping them there? Yeah, um, I think that young people expect a church that's different from the world. Church needs to stop pretending like it's the world, or try to keep up with the world, because that's not what people are after. People are after authenticity, first and foremost, uh, and they want something that can kind of link them back with their heritage and with their culture. And I think Catholicism gives them that. Catholicism in its best form is something that is just so different to anything else in the world. It's why we need Catholicism in the public sphere, in the public space, in the public space. You need to be reminded on the daily what life is about. And ultimately it's about being with God <laughs> in the in the, you know, in the afterlife. Um, people who want faith and who understand and sort of have this innate sense of spirituality, who long for something are going to find their hearts are going to be restless until they rest in a kind of authentic faith. So the church just needs to be first and foremost authentic. If it's going to do faith, it needs to do it well. So give us the sacraments and give them to us properly. 
you know, don't try and be hip and cool. We don't want that. If we want hip and cool, we'll just, I don't know, do hip and cool things. Uh, you're not going to get that from a priest. <laughs> you know, you're going to get that from like, oh, gosh, I'm actually really out of touch with my generation. Um, I don't know, people on YouTube. Um, that's where you're going to get it. But people don't expect that from the church. So don't try and give them that. Be authentically Catholic. Kind of hardcore, really. You know, you mm. expect a church that is like, okay, we're against abortion. We're against euthanasia. Why? Because human beings have value. You're not going to hear that anywhere else. But we think that there is inherent dignity in every individual. Be unapologetic about that. Don't pretend that, you know, like, don't pretend anything. Just, just be firm in your convictions. I think that's genuinely what people want. Even if they're too scared to admit it, I think that's what mm. people want. They're after authenticity because we live in an increasingly unauthentic world. So I think if the church wants youth, then, you know, set the truth free. It will look after itself. It's like a lion. St. Augustine said something along those lines. You don't need to make the church look attractive. It is attractive. It has literally got God as its foundation. So, mm. you know, let it be what the best version of itself and people will be attracted to that. I know I sure was. I was attracted mm. to the, the sounds and the smells of the liturgy and the kind of rich once authenticity. Once you're in the door, though, then that, yeah. that's the problem. It's, that's once you're in the door. Um, oh, but yeah, but I mean, like, Ongoing, okay, ongoing catechesis for sure. Um, sorry, Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can be instructed in your faith just by the people you associate with and the liturgy that you go to. I, I come at it from a different perspective. Um, so, yeah, I was, until about 18 months ago, I would not have called myself a Catholic. Cradle Catholic went away. What got me in the door is not what was in the door um, because I'd, didn't really know or didn't understand. What got me in the door is that in life, um, particularly for young people these days, we know it, it, it's hard in a whole different way than historically we're used to. We know that mental health issues are on the rise. We know that people are struggling with relationships. We know um, people aren't seeing each other, particularly this year, face-to-face uh, -face as much as, as they would have. Um, there's a loneliness in the world um, and to be painfully pessimistic it, it's it's awful it's not a, it, it hasn't yes. been a fun place for a lot of young people what gets you in the door is now when you realize that there has to be something more this isn't it the mm. materialism this um lonely world there has to be something more and maybe they have the answers and that's all we really need to tell them is hey yep. look over here you might find something it you sounds like, like Sounds like you guys are talking about two stages in the same journey, though. I mean, you're talking about the journey that happens in your heart before you even yeah, look at the church My, doors. Yeah, and, and I, I'm talking about the that openness that we were talking about before, the, the Sherry Riddell, the openness to it. Once you get yeah. there, what, what actually gets you across the line and, yeah. and, and through the door is, is the mystery, that the, the, there's, yeah. there are answers out there. Um, and you see the, the joy of people living. I'm, the Archbishop said recently, You've got to show them the joy of being a Christian. It's not a, it's not a joy that, yeah. that pretends that suffering isn't real and that, and that there isn't yeah, all this, this pain. I have to say I agree with you there, Ben. 
if you've got a bunch of people walking back from the Eucharist or walking around in the Catholic circles like they've just sucked a lemon, it's not very attractive <laughs> in, term, in terms of the faith. You'd, people who actually live the joy. I mean, if, if this is the King of Kings in the Mass, then, oh, wow, you know, we should be acting as if this is an amazing gift. If this is, in fact, the best way to live our life and be joyful and flourish, then we should be living as if that's the case. Yeah. And we, if Jesus did, does actually have the love that we claim he has and he shares it with us, then we need to live that out with people who are not lovable, uh, people who are who are perhaps, uh, you know, not in a non-normal way. So, Ryan, you look like you're gearing up for something there. Well, I was just, I mean, one of the strengths I found in, in hanging out with other youth from the church, and especially in um, when I finally got into youth groups, was the fact that the real strength was the community, was having a community of other young people at different levels of faith and different stages of understanding and challenging yeah. each other and disagreeing with each other and then coming to conversation with each other and learning how to have conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. That just gave it so much more depth when I learned later on about how faith is a relationship. It just made me reflect yeah. on all those things in community. I'm going to throw a curveball in here and say, I think that aligning, there are certain parts of public presentation of Catholicism in recent times that have attempted to align Catholicism with one or another political movements. Mm. And I think that has seriously undermined the public witness of the faith. Um, one of the things that really attracted now I'm a weirdo because I, I had met <laughs> maybe three Catholics and talked to them before I became a Catholic. So I had read my <laughs> way into the church. So I'm a little bit of a weirdo. But one of the things that I think consistently attracts my young students is the fact that the Catholic Church is so different. I think Beth was um, pointing this out before. It's so other than anything that's out there in society. Mm. It challenges everyone to rise to a different level of humanity, a different level of love. Like, for example, the prophets constantly talking about how we treat the poor and the refugees, and that's a little bit uncomfortable for us in Australia. And then on the other side of things, you've got people talking about the value of life and the value of um, you know personal integrity and honesty and all these things which seem to come from another, a different angle. But when we try to align it with one faction or one sort of way of life within society, it, I think it seriously undersells the faith. The faith is raw and challenging and in some respect quite gothic. I mean, when I first became Catholic, the idea of relics just flipped my head. Just what? You've got someone's arm in a box? What the <laughs> heck? Or, or it's a tiny piece of bone at St. Mary's Cathedral. <laughs> yeah. They've got it. And I remember being shown that and just going, uh, okay. Somebody's tongue, like from yeah. <laughs> Padua's tongue or something. Yeah, dude, well, there's the, the Bible at, um, at Cathedral House that the Archbishop has on display that was, I think it was Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, and I was with uh, Chris Lee, our youth leader recently over there and he was saying yeah she was holding that while she was beheaded oh gosh and i went oh okay <laughs> it is so very gothic cool. like, what's your response my, to that <laughs> well honestly it's hardcore and it basically shows the reality the incarnational and hard reality of catholic faith i think there's there's a section of that that we shouldn't uh, i'm not trying to be offensive about this but i don't think we should water it down i think i mean i'm a little bit still a little bit set back by talk you know relics and things like that but the, the physical reality, the incarnational reality, and the, the genuine unapologetic approach to the principles that the church puts forward and the fact that it calls all of us to improve ourselves and live that life is I don't think people find that elsewhere. Uh, young men especially, because I, I, my main area of research is uh, manhood, um, young men especially haven't been challenged 
to be to rise to a to a new level. Um, I don't think maybe in no, sport. No, I I, th- I think you're spot on there. But that's exactly what uh, when I talk about young people and, and loneliness and that sort of thing. There is a loneliness among men. Um, young men can find it hard to make genuine friendships, um, to have real proper relationships with other guys, with women. Um, increasingly, we see we know more, there are more and more uh, broken families around. Yes. Um, men, young men don't know how to be men. It's, it's really yes. that simple. Um, and, and so that's something that we need to show them that we'll, we can we can help you. We we can show you how to become a man. And it's a it's a long journey. Um, if anyone's listening yes. and thinking that in a couple of months they'll be a real man, it's it's not <laughs> it's not that simple. Um, I'll let you know if I get anywhere near. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> the, uh, there's uh, there's hope though, that, and that's the that's what we need to be telling them that you come here and we can help you with relationships and bonding with people and and getting to know people and becoming who you're meant to be. Maybe it's my yeah. geeky side, but while you were saying all that, I was playing that song from Mulan. I play that song all the time. <laughs> I don't know how we go with copyright here, but sorry, I, what's the song? The um, song be is a all, man. It's yeah, it's I'll make a man I'll out make of you. A man out it's, of you. Yeah. It's it never the, works for me. It, it, no. a, I haven't uh, changed it. Yes, <laughs> but it, it's, it, I mean, this is classic Disney. There are things in that song where you they they are what like they are wise. There are messages there. It's wrapped up in um, dragons and karate and all the rest of that's uh, <laughs> happening in Milan, but. There are there's there's little bits of of wisdom there, um, but right. I would never have guessed from that Superman shirt box that you had a geeky side. I'm very um, geeky. So. <laughs> 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 All right, it's probably time to wrap it up. So perhaps uh, I'll give you guys, the younger guys, uh, an opportunity to say if you had something to say to a young person out there or to a youth leader who's thinking, how do I bring young people into my church? What's what's your just a very short piece of advice that you'd give? Just be honest. Um, they're going to come to you with questions. Um, and if, if you know the answer, tell them. If you don't, don't tell them. That's fine. Um, but be honest with them. Be accepting of them. I think a lot of people, particularly uh, men in their mid-20s, early-20s, like, are going to come to you having done things um, that they're not particularly proud of. Um, and they are, they are looking for someone to confide in. Um, and if you can be that for them, amazing. Um, and, yep. and that's what's going to get them in. Yeah. The show, showing them that they, when I, if I can tell a quick story, I came for my job interview here at the Archdiocese and I stopped in at the mustard seed bookshop on the way out. And on my way out, I was feeling a little bit like a fraud. Um, I had been back at church for only a few months and here I was, um, audition, uh, applying for a job and and <laughs> and telling them about my my catholic upbringing and, and high school and conveniently leaving out a lot of the the 10 years between that um but i in the mustard seed bookshop they had a little bowl of of papers that were folded and inside was a bible verse on each of them and the one i pulled out was um i'm not going to try and quote it because I'll, uh, I'll get it wrong but it said do not be afraid to return from your sin mm. um which was exactly what I needed at the time. Um, and, and, but that's the message that we need to be telling people. Um, yeah. No matter how old they are, there's still time. It's an interesting, sorry, just I'll jump in there before we go to Beth. Ben, I, what I've noticed about that is the difference between the guilt and the shame culture mm. 
in our, our modern culture is a very much a shame culture where you don't admit anything's wrong. You nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, nothing wrong. But if if you do actually cross a line and everyone thinks you've done something wrong, then it's total shame and there's no coming back from it. Um, and you see this kind of public outings on Twitter and all this kind of thing. Um, whereas the church might talk about lots of things that are wrong, but it's a it's a what's called a guilt culture, and um, it's a positive thing because once you have named that guilt and it's forgiven, it's gone, and it's a start, a fresh start. I, I think as well to that point, there's um there's a culture of trying to admit that you've done something wrong that's not actually that bad. Um, and it's like, oh, I'm, like you go on social media, it's like, oh, I'm such a b- bad person, I did, I did this. And everyone's sitting there going, oh, I did that all the time. Um, so when it's, <laughs> when it's a real thing, when it's, um, you know, we know young men have problems with pornography or, you know, when it's someone's yes. had a, yep. a issues with sex or something, when it's actually hard to talk about, it, yes. it makes it even harder that all these people here are like, oh, what a bad person I am. I jaywalk. Like nobody cares about the, the stuff they're talking about. So the stuff that's important yes. is even harder yeah. to talk about. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a sort of false humility, I guess. If mm. you talk up your minimal faults, then it covers you from all of the bad stuff that happens, <laughs> you know, behind Indeed. closed doors or whatnot. Um, and just following on what Ben said, I mean, if you're baptized Catholic, then confession 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 you know it's just it's just you can let go it's so redemptive it's so healing um it's something that you know non-catholics i don't think they'll quite understand until until they get baptized and until they get initiated into the sacraments but you know if you were baptized catholic and you haven't you know haven't been in your faith for 10 15 whatever years it's there you can just walk in and just talk and be forgiven and let go and start again. And that's not something you're going to get anywhere else. Um, and if the opportunity is there, grab it. <laughs> it's the most sure way of just, you know, forgiving yourself and forgiving, you know, you can learn how to forgive others and just moving on. A lot of people think they have to sort of clean up to get to church, but that's what church is for. Exactly. Um, you don't You don't need to be... Uh, I, people talked all the time when I was a Protestant minister about the roof would fall on me if I walked in, um, <laughs> as, if, as if I'm somehow offensive to God. There is <laughs> nothing you can say to a priest in the confessional that is going to scandalise him or make him outraged in that sense. <laughs> God has heard it all and God has forgiven it um, in that sense. So, But also we should be ready, and I think this is a positive thing for the young people, God is ready to take you to the next level, not just say everything's okay, but to know actually you have a greater potential. You're a greater person. You're made for greatness. And now from this moment, we're going to work together on you being great. On that score, let's um, let's wrap this episode up. And thank you guys for being on, on the show. That's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking and it should have, or arguing with us and it should have, you can subscribe to the podcast Send us your feedback on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Discord, or to info at thiscatholiclife.com.au. Give us a review on iTunes. Make sure you're signed in for that, and that helps other people discover us. We're a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast, and we think that's an idea worth getting behind. This is our time for shout-outs. Box, you're off. Uh, I want to do a shout-out to people who are suffering out there, heartache or any kind of brokenness at the moment, especially with COVID magnifying it. Yep. There's a conversation I had with a friend earlier and basically was illustrating that 
it's okay to be vulnerable. The world tells us to yep. close off, protect ourselves and things, but the kind of love we're called to is to allow ourselves to be exposed to those painful situations, but the supernatural part of it that 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 is is the love of Christ allowing us to have the strength to continue even in that pain. So, mm. for those suffering, uh I hope you know it's it's okay to be vulnerable and God well Christ is there with us and for us. Beth, have you got a shout out? Oh, can it can it be anyone? Anyone or anything right. you like. <laughs> oh, I'm going to shout out to my housemates and the boys that live next door. Uh because without them and without the conversations we have every night over dinner about the faith and about all of the world's problems, uh I think I'd be a very different person. So. Nice. Ben Um I got two quick ones. One is to Bishop Umbers, uh just to tell him that I make better memes than he does. Um <laughs> not true. I'm sure Absolutely in all his free true. time, the free time that bishops have, I'm sure he's uh listening the whole way through this podcast. Um and the second one is to my dad who probably also doesn't listen, um but who I've come to appreciate a lot lot more in the the last 18 months, 2 years that I've I've been coming back to church and discovering my faith. Um, and realizing all the things he did for me when I was younger that I did not appreciate at the time. Lovely. Uh, my shout out is to the young people who actually show up, um, who bring their friends, uh, the courageous kind of countercultural strength and courage that it takes to do that. More power to you. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to this Catholic Life. <laughs>